what you know about it. It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Hello, you're listening to The Stew. It's a food podcast by me, Jason Stewart, and Andre Kanapara. Say hello. Hello. My brother, Chris Stewart, is not here today. Getting ready for that wedding. He gets married in one week from today. So exciting. Isn't that crazy? I know, it's going to be great. My one and only twin brother is getting married. Non-identical twins for the listeners who haven't seen them in person. Together. Fraternal twins. I've got uh, I've got about a foot on them. Easy. Not easy. No, no, no. No, no. no it's literally like ten. Eh, it's a little less. It's like than ten. Ten inches on. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Big, big difference. In six height. shoe sizes, probably. Yeah, I would say so. About six shoes. Oh my god, that's crazy. And when yeah. we we're when we were born, he was smaller. As a as a newborn, I mean, I was smaller as a newborn yeah. by a couple. Uh, couple but he of was out the womb thirty seconds late, which is why I call him Baby Stew because mm-hmm. he's the younger twin. You mm-hmm. got all those tall, big foot jeans, mm-hmm. and he's and he got normal jeans. Or he got slightly yeah. taller than normal jeans. He's taller he's than six average. Foot, right? For listeners at home, I'm six foot nine. It's true. Maybe ten. He's he's five eleven. Five eleven. Yeah. There you go. Andre sits at six four. Six four, yeah, sure. This is one of the it's, tallest podcasts. Now that I think about it, it's good. This is a pretty tall, damn podcast. We're running a high average if you put the three of us together. I would guarantee. No, I wouldn't guarantee. There might be some pro basketball players that do something on the side. Yeah, there's that's there's there's like two basketball players I think that do some podcasts where they'll like record them in the airplane, going from uh, Dallas to San Antonio or whatever it is. But those guys are bad at podcasting, good at basketball. We have a stew here. <laughs> we didn't we didn't record last week because Andre was out of town. I was out of town. And I just really couldn't get it together. Sure. Um have you never done a solo one, have you? I've never I was thinking about doing a solo podcast, but then I figured it would just be like the ramblings of a madman and or I mean I thought you might find a guest oh. just like you and a guest. No, I was I was but... literally I was really considering like could I just do it? An hour by myself. I mean, I could, but would it be awful? Would it? Would it be? I mean, like Bill Burr does a solo podcast, sure, but he's could, Bill Burr. I think you could try it and then see how it sounded, and then just not put it out. But that's a long investment for something. You could also have the laptop out. Well, it's only in like an hour, right? But you got the laptop out, some notes, maybe a TV. You're kind of maybe you could do. Oh, you could, <laughs> new MST3K came out, right? You could do that to a food show. Oh, I can do a. But there wouldn't be the visual side. An audio play by play. Yeah. Of the. Yeah, the new. There's a new Iron Chef. Iron Chef. You could do a fun little segment just doing audio to that. Mm. I think that premieres this weekend, actually. Mm. It's. it's, I'm so happy about it because that's the. I was the only cooking show that I really liked watching. Right. And then in Alton Brown, I saw like an article about it today. And he said, like, this is not a reality show at all it's not a food competition show that involves anybody's life or drama it's strictly just a bunch of chefs doing their best job at cooking a meal and then they get to cook against a celebrity chef right and that's it 
And that's that's what I love about Iron Chef, man. What about have you watched Brit, what is it Britain's best baking show? Mm. mm. I've watched a the the a British what's it called the Great British Great British Baking Big Show? Yeah. Baking. I it's mean, about I, baking. I know a lot of people watch it. A lot of non-food people like when it hit Netflix, all these people were suddenly talking about it. It's actually kind of great, especially and people seem to like it. I've watched a couple and I couldn't fully uh Get into it. Well, it has no irony. It has, um, it has no. What's the word I'm looking for? It has no edge. But edge is a horrible word. It's not. But that's why the, we watch British people, television. But the people aren't vindictive. The people, yeah. the they, everyone, everybody hugs each other when they're voted off, and they never talk trash about each other. And there's nothing. I mean, you don't see them living together. They don't live together on it. It's not like uh, where they share a house during the show or something, but. They're so also kind and supportive to each other. It's like nothing I've ever seen. Um, and what they're making is kind of interesting. And they, refreshing. Have, and they have some disasters you know, that happen because they're not all professional bakers. And How big of a disaster is really going to happen? Well, I mean, nobody, nobody's been blinded. But <laughs> they, <laughs> you should, there's one, I forget what season and what episode. I've, I've kind of only seen a few here and there. I saw one disaster, actually, where somebody used salt when he meant to use sugar yeah the same guy yeah okay the same guy tried to make an ice cream i know exactly what you're talking about he yeah he oh, used salt I'm instead of sugar oh no um the same guy tried to make an ice cream cake and when uh when he pulled the mold off it was just liquid it's like it was like if you pulled the mold off of milk was it I meant just, to chuck it in the icebox? It was just like it was. It was such a disaster on a level that you know you're just like if you were walking by and it was on at the gym and on mute and you just saw what happened, you'd be like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and you would just stop and watch whatever was going on. It was. Um, it was. It was the mother of all <laughs> ice cream cake disasters, is what soon. you're saying. It was. We'd like to stay relevant in the news here. Yeah, you are stay. relevant. <laughs> It was the, yeah. It was a train wreck of a food moment, a food cooking show moment. Is it the it kind like, of show where if I really just hit a little doobie and watched it, would <laughs> sure. that make it better? It's not going to make it worse because I feel like it has like that kind of innocent PBS charm to it, mm-hmm. where like nothing bad's going to happen and it's all lovely. And I mean, which is why I like what like. Half of why I like watching food shows is to learn, but the other half is like that warm suckling of the teat feeling that you get when you're watching Ina Garden in her kitchen and you're just like, mm, everything is fine and the world is an okay place after all. And it's just like a. Well, there's two main Novocaine judges. For the there's, brain. there's like an older 70s, in her 70s, I would guess, maybe mm-hmm. younger, maybe older, but she's like a very kind she's a bit of, of a mix. Of central casting kind of. British grandma with mm-hmm. a proper accent and you know she I'm sure she's very famous in baking and she's obviously comes across super knowledgeable and then the younger guy maybe in his 30s 40s who's kind of you know like a seems to be an important baker as well <laughs> and they kind of like she has the most Don Abbey-esque way of talking in that like it's I, I don't I can't articulate it very well but and then he's kind of like the more, you know, you know, man off the street or at least mm-hmm. kind of like relatable. But she kind of comes across as somebody that's <clears throat> eight generations deep, mm-hmm. they, multiple dukes in the family, like, and just like mm. she's, yeah, I would but love- she's also very kind and like, she'll say like this, you know, I don't know, they'll use like the, the harsher it gets was 
I just didn't like it. <laughs> like that, it, like it never gets harsher than that. Not and for normally, me, love. Yeah, I mean that's like <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> but uh, the flip side is that you kind of like you start rooting, you start rooting for everybody because everybody's so nice to each other. You, but the way you start rooting for people is not like in a negative way and like, oh, he's a villain. I hope he gets kicked off. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of rooting for everybody to do well and you're kind of like laughing with people because they kind of laugh at their own failures and nobody takes themselves too seriously. So they're but British. they all really want to do well. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's just very British. But it's great. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I'll watch it by myself. I've been watching it with a friend and I think like it's fun with another person too, especially if they like food mm-hmm. and it's very like... Yeah, you're not going to... I feel like it's kind of a lazy Sunday kind of thing or something. Yeah, but yeah when I watch it, I watch it alone, and, and it's, it's kind of something you do Sunday... While you're cleaning? Sunday or afternoon. While you're, doing something, you're doing something in front of you. While the missus doing, is yeah. making clotted cream for the... Um, what are those called? What's the British uh, English muffin? <laughs> oh, crumpets. <laughs> What's the British English Which you muffin? dabbled in making. <laughs> Crumpets. Remember crumpets? Crumpets are so good. You can still get crumpets. The crumpets from Trader Joe's aren't bad. They're not bad. And the clotted cream. I just saw a recipe for the clotted cream on, uh, on uh, whatchamacallit, Chef John. Oh, Chef- yeah? Chef Steps? Not Chef Steps. No. Food Wishes. Food Wishes. Food Wishes. I didn't really know what, exactly what clotted cream was. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you. I feel like The recipe is the craziest recipe I've ever seen. You just get like a casserole dish... And you pour heavy cream into it, and you put it in the oven on its lowest setting, like 175 to 200, for 12 hours. What? You pull it out of the oven, let it cool, chuck it in the fridge for overnight, and then you have clotted cream. And then, so then the cream separates from like the, the fat, so you have like the solids, that's the clotted cream. And then you have the liquid runoff, like buttermilk, if you're making butter. And then you can use that liquid milk for whatever you want to do. I don't know, making making something else. And then you have the clotted cream, which is just like even more insane creme fraiche. Like if creme fraiche spread like honey or something like that, it was just and it's and it's just the most. I've had it before, and it's. It's crazy. I feel like my reaction to the term clotted cream is some people's reaction to the term moist. I just hear it and was like, Whoa. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, it's a horrible, it's a horrible word, clotted. And that's something that, that he mentioned, like the only reason probably why nobody outside of England eats this is because the name is yeah. so off-putting. And it's true. I mean, I know I've had it, but I can't remember. I mean, I just imagine that it just kind of tastes like a... I don't it's know. just real. It's just super rich and buttery and dairy-y and fatty and creamy and luxurious. But isn't, it, isn't it Sweden too? Well, it's typically served with something sweet. So, like you, you get your crumpet, clotted okay. cream, and then you drizzle some honey on it. You put some strawberry jam on it, things like that. Um, but I plan. On, I mean, but then what are you going to do with all that? You just pour. You fill a casserole dish up with a bunch of cream. You do it before Easter. You do it before For everybody Easter. coming over. Easter is happening this weekend. Coachella week one. And it's Easter. AKA God's Coachella. <laughs> Easter. Oh, yeah. I guess it would be. <laughs> Easter is God's Coachella. I wonder if they're going to have an Easter egg hunt at Coachella. 
Yeah, what is Easter? Easter is the first coming of our Lord Christ. So it's week one, Coachella? Uh, no, I think Easter's not the coming. Well, I mean, I think it's the he's risen. Not a big religion guy over here, if you couldn't tell. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. But I like ham and biscuits. Sure, sure. It's In uh, time with family. I think um, if you eat ham, it's it's sad to not have it on, on Easter. It's such a... If you eat ham, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I was going to say like it's really sad to not eat ham on Easter, but not if you don't eat it, then it doesn't matter. It's true. I, I mean, ham tastes better on Easter. You it's, ever had ham before? That's science. It is. It's science that it tastes better on Easter. <clears throat> and I'm, I'll, I'll be sad that we won't be having the ham. Well, maybe I'll have it. The ham deviled egg biscuit. Hmm. That one really. I, I think I talked about this last year on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, it's just one of the great. You just get a sick, a sick ass biscuit. You pipe a bunch of deviled egg filling on it as the condiment. Mm-hmm. A good half inch, maybe no, a third of an inch. A healthy schmear. Healthy schmear. A nice, warm piece of glazed ham. Sweat dripping off of it. You got yourself a biscuit sandwich. And I'm, you know, and then a piece of ham on top. More ham. More ham. Oh to me. God. Oh my God. No, I won't be cooking Easter for the first time in a very long time because um, of schedule. And it's going to be sad. I love Easter. Non religious. Not, not a religious person. Not, not because of the affiliation. But it's kind of like Thanksgiving to me in the way that like people will put aside their schedules to do something on Easter. You're like, I'm having, e- like, I'm e- having Easter. I've been talking to people about that. And they'll be like, all right, I'll find, yeah, okay, we'll figure out a way to get around all this shit we have to do. I feel like as time goes on, more and more people are not really fucking with Easter. Oh, really? Or like, yeah, people, people don't, like I always put it in the category like Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, those are the days where it's just guaranteed you're going to go down and spend time with your family or loved ones. And then I found that Easter is not in that top three. Yeah, but no. See, that's the other. That's the flip side of it is that it's almost better than Thanksgiving because you live in Orange. I mean, you're, you grew up in Orange County, so you're an hour drive from family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody flies for Easter. Nobody flies home for Easter. Right. So that's why it's kind of like that. Everybody stays at Unless home. Unless you're a dork. Well, I don't know, you know that's rough. <laughs> but we all know losers fly on Easter. <laughs> But that's, so so probably your friends are in town, and if they don't have other plans, like you can Shanghai a bunch of people to come over mm-hmm. if you get ahead of it, and you know they know you're going to serve good food because nobody's going out of town. Yeah, church uh, church goes from ten to eleven. You don't know that, and then you have no idea. <laughs> I mean, you're not that you're not that off, but I just get, I just know you just made that up. No, I was actually ta- asking a friend of mine last night who is very religious. And I was like, what's up with like Easter Sunday? This this is a friend of mine who goes to church every Sunday. Right. And I was like, what happens on Easter Sunday that's different than a regular any old Sunday? And he said it's pretty much about the same. It really is. You either do a 9 a.m. or a noon, and then... uh, Yeah, that's normal services, too. There's no midnight mass like there is on Christmas. Mm. Man. Shout out to all of our listeners who are religious. We don't mean to offend you at all. Specifically Catholics, because not a whole lot of other people are messing with Easter. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Coachella is happening this weekend. And Coachella, like many other festivals in the world of 
Los Angeles and food are it's like it's quickly becoming as much about the food as it is the music. It's so weird. But like all every festival now is this something I'm just going to nod while you talk? This is well. This is something that I can educate you about. But like, I think it started when they had the old cella, which I went to with Zach Brooks, who's been on the show many times, and people were talking about the music equally with as the food. Yeah, but there was like he was on, I think, close to the last Coachella. And you guys talked about food and all the pop-ups mm-hmm. that were there, like mm-hmm. all the restaurants that went down. So it seemed, but I guess so it was even more so. But, the, but for, Coachella has always had food, and it's kind of an afterthought. Like you just, it's just there because you have to have somewhere else you'll die. And now, it's, but it's, but it's not like, it's not like a pizza truck. Correct. It's better than that. You're saying before, like obviously the, the last year when Zach and talked about, there's incredible restaurants doing stuff, but like. First year you went, was it still better than just like a truck that served pizza slices? Not really. Okay, so it was that. So bad it is at some improving. Point. What the the thing that I'm saying more so is like you'll find music festivals releasing obviously the the lineup of bands who are playing, but they'll also have all the restaurants and chefs who will be appearing, build and advertised. And there's like a there's a festival happening this year at Arroyo Seco Park where my brother died at a bachelor party. And they're like it's like a huge, and like the like Tom Petty's headlining, but it'll also have like all the restaurants and chefs in LA with almost equal billing. It seems like uh, people, <clears throat> it's just like I don't, I don't I don't get it. You're not supposed to be eating this great food at these festivals. You're supposed to be on drugs. Hundred <laughs> percent. But I, it's also kind of like the natural idea of discontinuing celebrity too. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, why not? But that being said, I am jealous that I'm not at Coachella stealing food from all of these people and bugging them for stuff. Sure. Bad Mash, my brother's restaurant is there right now, slanging... Uh, You're kidding, really? Tiki Masala, Poutine. No, tons of chefs are in restaurants around there. It's crazy. And where's, and, the, where's the space for them? It's huge. There's room for everything. I mean, there's like 100,000 people there, and there's plenty of room for There's them. still more room for food. Oh, yeah. Tons of room there. Sad I'm missing Radiohead. Well, that I know. And that's about it. That much I know. Um, about New Order. We didn't pod last week, so we kind of have a lot of things to cover. The main food thing that I did while you were gone was I recorded an episode of Vice Munchies Chef's Night Out with oh, that's our right. friend from EP and LP. I forgot. So about that'll, that's right. uh, that, that should come out in like, I don't know, a month or so or however long it takes to do that. But, uh, if you've seen, if you haven't seen the show, it's where a chef goes around to all of his friends, restaurants and bars in his city and the camera crew follows him around and they're, they're in a minivan and they're, and everyone gets wasted and eats a million things. And then it culminates with a party in the chef's restaurant where all of their friends come and celebrate. And like Chris from night market did it. And I think like, like horrible things were going on there. Like, I don't remember, like somebody like cut somebody's ponytail off and there's like people like puking and laying <laughs> in the gutter. And like the, the idea is you're supposed to get just completely, you're supposed to get completely wasted yep. and then eat super insane food, just like gluttonous day kind of thing and i and i did that on sunday 
And I think like yesterday, I finally recovered from it. It was just... What day did you do it? Sunday. So I was destroyed Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday I I felt fine. I was able to like do normal things. But worth it, I would say. What? Where'd you? Um, what can you tell? Can you say before it comes out where you went? Yeah, I don't care. No, I mean it's enough. <laughs> Did they tell you? Um, to they told that? me just not to like post photos of it, but like, I don't. I'll talk about it. I don't give a shit. Let's let let it rip, baby. Yeah, we went. We went to. Uh, we met at EPLP. We went downtown. It was me, Lou, the chef from there, and then Vartan, who's the chef owner of Seventy One Above, the new restaurant. Yep, downtown that's on the 71st floor of this crazy building, and they do really fancy, elegant cuisine. Haven't been. I hadn't been either. It's not cheap, but it's pretty pretty amazing up there. Um, and then, so we, the three of us, we went there, went to 71 Above, had like a nine-course tasting chef's table meal, had some crazy drinks, and the view, I mean, the view is the craziest view I've ever seen in my life. Of L.A. Of L.A. You can just see... Because usually if I go hiking, like, oh, I could see the ocean on a clear day. Yeah. I could see, like, the back of the ocean from up there. Wow. I could, I could see merry old England. I can see him... <laughs> I can see him... You see them filming the Great British Baking I Show. I can see him piping a cupcake. Sure. From the 71st floor. And, like, the, the windows in there have, like, transition lens technology on them. Mm-hmm. So when the sun glare hits it, they, like, electronically adjust the, the shade and all that stuff. Incredible. If you, it, is, it is not cheap at all, but it's really good. And I would say uh, just go there and get a drink if you, if you can't afford it. Just because the view is amazing. Um, and then we went to Alimento. Oh, good. And had this really good wine. It's like Mandel, I think. It's this some some crazy wine guy who does all. It's a it's a French wine. This guy, I'm I'm trying to remember. I mean, was Zach there? Was our friend there? Yeah, Zach Zach Pollock from Alimento, who's done this show. He he came and joined us after that, and then uh, his sous chef there. Is also named Zach, and they both came, and so we we finally started getting wasted, and then everyone was just, and then Alimento brought out nine different dishes, and then from Alimento we went to Spicy Thai, which is this crazy northern Thai restaurant in like a weird part of Hollywood that you're gonna love. I've mm-hmm. never I've never heard of it, never yeah. had it at all, and it's this little hole in the wall place where this kind of really energetic older woman matriarch of the of the restaurant kind of thing just does wild random stuff that you can't really get very often in LA apparently from what all these guys are saying um and then on the we had we had like a magnum bottle of this really good wine and then from Silver Lake to East Hollywood which is like an 11 minute drive the four of us drank a magnum of this wine in a minivan just Ugh. like just took turns passing a mag <laughs> and oh. but that's kind of what you have to do and then we showed up at, at spicy thai and met up with uh steve olson and arto sari who are like two legendary skateboarder skateboard dudes yep 
dine with them. They had some motorcycles. There's another motorcycle guy whose name I forgot. This is when I started getting blurry. Went to a liquor store. We bought a 32-pack of beers and drank them at, while we were eating all this crazy spicy Thai food. How'd you hang with the spice? <clears throat> I tried my best. It was, I mean, it, I, luckily I was drunk enough to where my, my tolerance was... Higher than normal. Higher than sober. Yeah. But weird, bizarre northern Thai stuff that I have not had ever before. Right. Super cheap. Because Jitlada has a whole northern Thai menu. Mm-hmm. So even Very similar to that. Very similar to Jitlada. Yeah. But more hole-in-the-wall-y and cheaper and kind of off-the-beaten-path, off the undiscovered mm-hmm. thing. Spicy Thai. Look it up. And then we went to Salt's Cure. Whew. Only, and we, we promised ourselves that we were just going to get drinks there because we had, we had each eaten a bite of like 20 courses of food. Yeah. And I was starting to like really hit a wall, like mentally and physically. And then we went, we went to Salt's Cure, which is a, a restaurant in West Hollywood that specializes in meats. And, and they have a tiki bar in there, in the new one. It's like a cool tiki, I didn't know that. tiki vibe. And we, we all ordered zombies, mm. which is a, a drink that's served in like this tiki cup that looks like a skeleton. Mm-hmm. And we were drinking that, and then they brought out some like crazy like terrines and cured meats and all this wild stuff that like I couldn't even, like if I would have eaten it, I would have vomited because... And then I was like, oh, what's in this zombie? It's really good. And I ha- I've had a zombie before, but I don't yeah. remember what exactly it is. And he's like, and he's, the only thing he replied was six shots of rum. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. So I have the zombie, which has six shots of rum, which is an alcohol that I don't normally drink at all. So my body was not accustomed to the way rum tickles it. And then I had already had... Four beers and two bottles of wine, and then the the six shots of rum and the zombie. And ev- but the thing is, everybody else who was with us also drinking on the same level as me. And I'm a large man, and like Lou from EP and LP is like he's not a small smaller, man, but he's he's much smaller than I. Yeah. But he was he's keeping up as most are. Oh my god! And at that point. It was, I'd, the the memory was not really happening yeah. so much anymore. And then we went to to EP and LP. Yeah, we we showed up there an hour and a half late. So like the welcoming party was there was like fifty people there or something, and they were just waiting there. So the restaurant was closed. Yeah, the restaurant. Was, we showed up there at like twelve forty five or twelve thirty. Right. Um, so like we hadn't even I hadn't even got to. Salt's Cure, and my brother texted me like, yo, I'm here, what's up, when are you coming? And I was like, oh, cool, I'll be there in two hours. And they just got wasted there, apparently. And and then there was like some weird Korean, so, like milky soju drink, but it wasn't soju, it was like a different one. And it was like in a liter plastic bottle. Yeah. So then I drank like, a sip? A li- no. 
like the I drank like killed six, one. I drank like sixteen ounces of like a mystery Korean milky alcohol. Did they have food? Yeah, he did. He did two whole suckling pigs with all the all the trimmings. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. None of none of which I even bothered to look at. Sure, because I would have just fully died there. But apparently it was good, and other people ate yeah, it. I would imagine it was great. <laughs> I think other people ate it, and they had fun. They thought it was good. But I, I, I'm not gonna. I, I'm leaving out a lot of details. Yeah. Because I want you guys to see it when it shows on Vice. I don't want to give it all away. I would imagine you start. It's just like. You just start to not have fun. You start to have like, yeah. I just got to get through it. It's got to because on paper you're like, oh, this sounds like the best time ever. And I'm, of course it was great, but like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of weird because as the one as the one guy who was involved in it who wasn't a chef, I it was like the producers of the show were kind of looking at me to pull my weight a little bit. Yeah, not so much pull my weight, but like kind of sing for my supper so they're like hey you do podcasts you're like interview guys so like when there's a lull in the in the convo or the action like get a little get a little juice going so then cut to you <laughs> in the van like brain not working yeah so my version of of me uh keeping the conversation moving along sprightly was them uh, pounding on a bathroom door and telling me to wake up no, that, no. I, I did not fall asleep in a bathroom but I, but I, I had to find myself like, hey, what do you think? Of, and then like I would, I would get a convo going, and, and apparently they said it worked out amazingly, and lots of bad stuff happened. Oh boy, I can't wait. Oh, I mean, I, I oh. were you encouraging physical antics? Yeah, because yeah. I'm assuming that that's, I mean, that's your bread and butter. That's what you've yeah, done your whole at, life. At Spicy Thai, I made. I made some a sculpture out of the sticky rice. Sure. And you sent it to me. I sent it to you, right? Yeah. And then the 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 producer from Vice texted me the next day like that's going to that's going to be the opening cut or that's going to be the opening shot of the whole thing. There you go. You definitely then then you're uh, guess you're, what kind of sculpture it is, listeners, mom. Don't guess what kind of sculpture it is. Numbers numbers are going to dictate that uh, I think your singing for the supper went well. I sure hope so, but let me tell you, I'm learning that you know I really can't I really can't party like I used to sure. in terms of food and alcohol, and I really do enjoy not. Feeling horrible from all that. Yeah, that's a serious takedown. Whew. But it's good. It's good because I'm feeling great right now. In general, lately I've been feeling wonderful. From those grain bowls. Yeah, from those grain bowls, from, from all that stuff. But it was making me remember like when I was in my younger days, early 20s, start getting a little money in your pocket and you start what's this what's up at this restaurant and let's go do this and go to that bar and blah 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 and man i'm glad i got it out of my system is all i'm saying yeah the idea of going out and starting to have drinks at like nine or ten and then having dinner and then going back out and staying out till 2 a.m i don't think is physically possible for me at this point that's well that is physically possible possible for me right but when i start at four 
p.m. and go to sleep at 4 a.m., that's when it's not possible. But for me, if if I have to like DJ till 2 in the morning and go out all night, I almost need to have the dinner and drinks before to keep me going because otherwise I'm not I'm going to going to be starting off too slow. Right. It's kind of like a natural progression and inertia that needs to happen or else I'm just going to be sad. New lows happening on the Stew podcast. It's been a week since we've recorded and obviously our lives have changed drastically. Doesn't sound like new lows. Just sounds like <laughs> new uh Maybe I just needed to talk to somebody, Andre. New restrictions on endurance. That's true. Um you were out of town in L- Luxembourg? Went to Luxembourg. It's weird because we were talking about this. Luxembourg, we, we didn't even really know or realize that it was a country all to its own. I embarrassingly thought it was when it was brought up to me about doing it that I thought it was, oh, is that, that's, what's a, is, that's a city in Germany, it's a city in France. Where is that? It's a small country. It's a small country that's in between Germany, France, and... Brussels. Brussels. Yep. The only reason, and then the more I thought about it, it was the only reason really why I knew or used the word Luxembourg was in a Morrissey lyric. Oh, yeah? From the song Ask. Yeah. Bucktooth Girl in Luxembourg. Classic Morrissey line. Other than that, no reason to really know anything about it. Luxembourg doesn't have any distinctive cuisine all to its own i'm assuming it's a mishmash of neighboring regions you'd be right (laughs) and not very good (laughs) and not not in a bad way but kind of like in a a very kind of uh, so they grow their own beef there and they're very proud of their own beef so do they call it anything fun or is it just beef from luxembourg boof luxembourg um and so, like, on the menu, it will say very specifically, like, boof de Luxembourg. I'm going to butcher all this shit, so. Right. But, it's yeah, like, be, like, they like, don't, it doesn't say, like, steak. It says, like, steak from Luxembourg. So that, like, if you were in Colorado, if they were, like, mm-hmm. steak from Colorado. And you're, like, all right. The New Zealand like, lamb chops. Okay, fine, sure. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. So they're very proud of that. They advertise that. Um, so you get, like, German schnitzel. You get sausages. You've got some influences. Some, there's a lot of Italian restaurants. And, I, you know, there's, I'm sure there's incredible restaurants I didn't eat at. But kind of the even some of the nicer places I went to, you know, not prefix or tasting menus or Michelin starred, but they were expensive and nice. It was kind of like, this is just like, it's almost, it was almost like wedding food where, like, mm. on the menu, you're like, oh, filet mignon. And you get it and you're just kind of like, oh, filet mignon. I don't know. It's good. Um, but yeah, so because yeah. you're too busy working to really yeah, I never, I never do any, California's yeah, gold exactly. But um, ate at an inc- quickly found at a Greek restaurant that was incredibly good. Um, some of the best lamb I've ever had. So that was kind of surprising, but it was also um, very random that we found it. It, it was like a a tasting, well, not a tasting menu, but it was like. Three courses of lamb and chops and roast, and then in kind of like a loin steak, and then uh, like a grilled loin steak. Um, and then what else was oh, <laughs> stumbled into uh, one night because we we're just running around the city, just trying to enjoy as much as we can the short time we did when we were done shooting, and um, stumbled into this Russian bar 
called Russia's finest. And we were, you know, we were trying to find a place. And we went to two places that were closed. Were you trying to buy ammunition, and, you, yeah, and it turned exactly. out it was a bar. Well, something like that. <laughs> and so we started drinking some vodka, which was cheap and really good, and on ice. And you know, we were trying to ask them where to eat, and they're mm-hmm. like, "We have food here." And I'm just like, "I don't want to eat here." And it was kind of like, "I don't think we could leave unless we ordered food." But it turned out to be really good. It was kind of like... Did the doors lock from the inside? That's what it felt like. I mean, it felt like... We have food here. I was like, what is, is there anything we're good to eat? Because we basically found ourselves, like, it was random, like, in a red light district where it was, like, this was the only place mm. open after we tried to go to a French restaurant that wasn't a strip club and mm-hmm. within, like, four blocks. So we ran into the bar and we're like, is there restaurants open right now? And no, I have food there. And it's like, ah. So walk me through the tasting menu that chef prepared for you at it was, Russia Bar. It was vodka. Yeah. And then vodka. Uh-huh. And then a salad of lettuce and tomatoes. Okay. And then vodka. <laughs> More vodka. It wasn't, I mean, we Wait, did you yeah. do a chef's night out too? I did. Uh, and then it was kind of like a, we did, we ordered kind of like the four things that looked good that we could kind of understand because there were some pictures on the menu mm-hmm. um it had that thing where it was like it's obviously it's it's called russia's finest or whatever so it's a russia russian bar but they had like a bunch of things where it's like steak it's like i'm not gonna get a steak here mm-hmm. and it's like chicken I'm like not gonna get a steak here <laughs> i'm not gonna get chicken here but then it had like pierogies like a russian name for pierogies and mm-hmm. i was like okay let's order these things and like a potato dumpling and they were great. It's like when you go to a fast food place. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to stay away from the beef and chicken and maybe get the veggie thing. Maybe get the cheese thing. Yeah. No. It's like, it was like, okay, let's not order their everything menu. Let's was there a order, bowl like, of garbanzo beans by chance? There wasn't. <clears throat> there was a bowl of pickled cabbage that came out free with some rye bread. Russian kimchi? Sure. Good for eating. But that, the, all the dumplings were really good. It reminded me a lot of that restaurant in Glendale that we went to. Mm. What was it called? I was trying to remember the name. Nobody can remember the name of that. There, yeah, there's, it's a dumpling. But it really, they weren't, I mean, they were pretty close to that good. I mean, and I saw the, like, the, like, the, Little sour the saloon smear? door would swing as they went in and out of the kitchen. And there's this, like, this, like, grandmother with a hood on, like, over a stove. And I was like, oh, this may not be that bad. Also, I don't know if she's here legally. <laughs> I, I hope she gets paid for doing this. She didn't have, like, a chain around her ankle or anything. No. All right, good. I couldn't see from the waist down, so I actually I don't know. It wasn't Blake Snick Mon. But that was good. That was good. And then we ate at the well, and then went to the Bitburger brewery for a couple hours oh. while we were shooting because we were going through because we went up to Germany on the border. Um and that was good. That was really good. They were doing like their own sausages there that like a little dining hall and the beer was incredibly good. Um Bitburger. In the town of Bitburger. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, and that was, I don't I'm trying to remember what else was. And you're happy to be home. Happy to be home. <clears throat> and then I tacked on <clears throat> three days to go visit my, my very best good friend, Scott Mosier, who's on the podcast, who just moved to France a few months ago for the, last, for the next year and a half to finish a movie. So and, you spent some time in Gay Paris. So I did. So I, that was that's when I actually got to have fun and go eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and all, I was only there for three days, and also kind of tired. And and he was it was the weekend, but he had a long week of work. So 
We did some cooking at the house, even though I was in Paris. Ooh. That was great. Yeah, it was super fun, though. Um, did you make... What did you make? Did you make French food? Nice made pasta one night. Classic canapara. Made a salad and some roast veggies Canaparo and a chicken classico. one night. Um, did you, where did you go shopping for this in Paris? Is well, there, is there old food? I didn't even, I didn't even tell you. See, I slow rolled you and didn't send you the photos and I'll show you the photos afterwards. Uh, so I get there and uh, the first, so I get there on a, on a Thursday night and we all hang out and then he's still got to work Friday. So his wife, who I love and I'm very close to, happy to spend any time with, she was like, let's go to this place I haven't been that I've heard about, um, and it's called 365 yeah. Old Foods. It's called 7-Eleven. <laughs> Best stuff Dorito in town. So, <laughs> so it She's was also from the bar Russia's Finest. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that mm-hmm. at the time. Same accent. It's the only accent I do. Um, but she's a former um, celebrity chef. Not, she's a former um, private chef to a lot of huge celebrities and She's kind of retired now. She doesn't cook anymore, but she's an incredibly good cook. And she's like, I, I knew you were coming, so I kind of saved this adventure. I haven't been here yet. I always forget that about her. Let's go to this mall. And um, so we went to this mall, and it was, the, it, was, it was like Barney's on steroids. It was the most expensive, oh. the most expensive, high fashion, like... Mm. I mean, the brands that I was like, oh, what's that person? It was like, it was like, it's a random person. I have a brand I didn't know. And it was just like 26,000 euros. And I was just like, oh, mm. I, this is incredible. And so just mm. imagine every couture high end thing. Like, and there's a security guard like every 15 feet. And it was mm. crazy. And it was like, mm. shit was, I mean, I was like, what are we doing here? And she's like, she's like, I don't know. I was going to look for pants for, for my husband. And I don't, well, I came to the wrong place. <laughs> but she's like, but there's a food section. And I was like, all right, let's go. Mm-hmm. So we cross over, and it's like the the kitty corner to this crazy mall um, is called La Grand Epicurie de Paris. La Grand Epicurie de Paris, and it may not be a hard C; it might be Epicurie. I have no idea how to pronounce okay. it, so I'm butchering all this shit. It means the big Epicurean store. I, yeah, it's just like it's like food mall. Mm-hmm. Nice touch the cable. Did anything happen? I think it's. Does this sound good, listeners? It sounds good. Let's kick something. Um, it was hands down, and she agreed, and she's actually, she's cooked all over the world. She had to travel with people when they're on location shooting movies. Mm. She's been all over the world. She's like, this is, the, and I was like, this is the most incredible grocery store I've ever seen in my life. And to say a grocery store is completely misrepresenting what it is. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like if the Beverly Center of that size only sold food. Mm. Um, so it, it makes Dean and DeLuca look like smart and final? Oh, my God. Oh, uh, and it was just my, it was mind-boggling. Um, you feel like you're in a Nancy Myers rom-com. They had every every station and type of food to, for purchase I've ever seen in my life, and then including inside of it was like <clears throat> six small restaurants. Just while you're walking through like a produce section, then you stumble into like a ten-seat bar. Like there were six restaurants wait, that all had their wait. own kind of cuisine, like a truffle restaurant. And a Spanish tapas restaurant. Um, they had, well, I did send you the picture of the just the bottled water section, mm-hmm. which I started counting as like 100 to 150 types of bottled water. And that was just the bottled water section. Um, they had its own bakery, its own uh, pastry shop, its own charcuterie area, its own seafood area, its own butcher shop, its own cheesemonger. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like all of, I've never seen so many olive, olive oils in one place. If you can name any, I mean, and they're starting to see things I've never seen before. Was it only high end stuff or did they have poor people food as well? No, and we kind of, she was like, look, I've been shopping all over kind of locally in our neighborhood and they kind of, they live like two blocks off the Eiffel Tower. So they're like in a nice neighborhood, they're in a fancy neighborhood. And she's like, like the produce wasn't so expensive that it wasn't more than like kind of the more high end, which you'd imagine like a Whole Foods or a Dean DeLuca. It was on par with all that other stuff. Yeah, it was not overpriced. It was just everything you could imagine in one place of the highest quality Mm. of the most the most types you could imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of like exhausting. We actually left mm-hmm. before we bought anything. I was like, let's go get a glass of wine and eat something. Cause I can't deal with this. Cause we spent like two <laughs> hours walking through it. And every time we turned a corner, we'd squeeze each other's hand and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then you'd be like, we'd, we'd be like, Oh my God. And so it was a sensory overload for completely, you. Completely. You had to pull we out. Went, we went to, cause we we're going to cook dinner cause he was coming home late. And I was just like, Oh, let's just drink wine and like eat charcuterie tonight. And, and oh. I'll make a salad and something small and like that. And we'll go do everything else later. Cause I was kind of tired too. I was zonked. I had flown in. And, and so, wine, she got in. so, yeah. So we were like, I can't, I can't picture what to buy or cook. This is stupid. We need to leave and come back. Like, let's go somewhere. Then we had a really nice little meal at this place we found and split a bottle of wine. And then, like, we, we kind of mapped out a game plan of where we we're going to go back in and what we we're going to get and kind of, like, just so not to get lost again. intimidated by the majesty of this place. Not intimidated, more just, like, respectful of the necessity of you can't roam and figure shit out. I, I would love to roam. I would I love mean, to roam in there. You would, maybe. but also I'm saying that as somebody who's never been there. Yeah, I mean, if you, it was kind that of like sounds like my. I would spend. I spent like 30 minutes in the charcuterie section, and I was like, "All right, I got this nailed. I know what I want." And then we'd roll over to the butcher section, You're and like, I'd "Where's be the like, granola at?" I'd go to the butcher section, then forget what I just planned out. Because again, mm. like you're kind of like, I mean, you're not laser focused in the sense that like you've got 10 minutes. You've got you're on a cooking show. You got to do this. Like you're just kind of like if you're randomly trying to figure out dinner or something, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like Fuck, you can't approach can't. it with a laissez faire. But we went back. We also because Scott hadn't been, and we went back a few days later because I was like, I need to see your face when you come here. And he was equally blown away. But having been at least once, and we spent four hours there, like two hours, and we mm. ate, and then came back for an hour and a half. I was like, I can deal with this now because I know I know where the olive oil section is, and I know. But like the f- initial run through, you're just kind of like you're in a maze, and the whole bo- there's a whole bottom floor that's just wine and spirits, mm. and that's where the wine bar and like small plate restaurant is. See, because when I when I, when you're describing this, I'm thinking of like Italy in New York, and it, and and I've been to Italy, in New York. No disrespect to the god Batali, but like there's I didn't enjoy Italy at all. There's nothing in there that I want. It's just like. Everyone that nobody works there like cares about anything, and it's just like a shitty oh, version there was, of it. There were free, and this seems like there were free samples of everywhere. And when I say free samples, there was just a Hamon Iberico station with five different types. And I tried one, and he was, and I was like, "Oh, this is really good." And he's like, oh, "It's right here." And I started walking. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" He's like, "You didn't try the other four. And I was like, "I can try all." He's like, "Yeah, come on, let's have them, have them all, let's have them all." 
And that was like you one. on the mouth. That was, you? and they had, um, they had like another charcuterie station that was like rolled salamis that I kind of never seen before. Where I mean, maybe the maybe I mean it was like it was a ground cured meat like a salami, but it had it had kind of like layers. So it was rolled like a like it all had the same consistency. In the sense that it was, you know, a meat that's been ground with fat and seasoned like a salami. It's not like a whole muscle meat. It's a ground charcuterie, mm-hmm. right? But you could see rings of different colors. Like they had taken a ground meat and then put another kind of ground meat and then another ground meat and kind of rolled it and then tied it tight and cured it like a salami. And I was like, mm-hmm. what is this wizard magic that you guys are serving? So it's kind of like a, a spiral. A, like a porchetta kind of vibe. Yeah. But like a salami, had a texture like a salami. It was like, that was really good. Mm. There's like, and everywhere you went, there was like, you know, any any area you were in, there was four or five different stations of people trying to get you to taste things there without without the crazy sell at all. Mm. They'd be like, it's right here. And then they'd smile and like look at somebody else. And like you don't, there was no So did you high, fall in love with sell? Paris when you were there? <clears throat> I mean, this is my best. Were you swept by by the romance? Not really. I mean, this thing? is my this is my favorite trip, but it's also if you told me my friend Scott and his wife weren't there, I'd be like, eh, all right. Have you seen The Devil Wears Prada? I have. Was it that kind of vibe? No, that's too bad. Well, you just made me very jealous. Um, that sounds amazing. And we went to and we ate at one of the restaurants on the new seasons of of Chef's Table. Yamcha, that was really good. Um, we went to like their tea house and their little their bow place. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was really fun because that was not a really like high key vibe. It was very very fun to hang out at. Um, the tea was really good and the bows were really great. There, she's famous for the the chef that that's there. Her husband runs the tea program and does the tea pairings. And then she seems to be making this Stilton cheese bow, Whoa. which was good, but not my favorite. Mm-hmm. And they did some more traditional, like, pork, kind of like a dandan noodle pork. Mm-hmm. And then um, a fermented tofu one that was really good. So we did, like, a bow sampling. Stilton and, bow, huh? Um, Sounds like the name of a rich kid. It does, like from an '80s like comedy. Mm-hmm. Stilton. <laughs> but yeah, but chi- wealthy Chinese exchange student shows up to Harvard. Stilton Bao. Oh, Stilton Bao, sure. Mm-hmm. Easy. It's been an odd podcast today, and I like that. I'm trying. Yeah, I think, and I yeah, there's some other stuff. I'll remember it later. I'm still super jet lagged, but I will say that like the like the Iberico Serrano and the prosciutto that I had there, you know, because they don't like, have Iberico samples at Costco usually. Not always. Depends <laughs> on what the road show is, but no, no. But it's like the it was it was really incredible in a way that it, I've been to Paris before. It wasn't kind of the romance of being some in a big city or. I mean, truly, just on on purely trying to take the experience out of it, the the food was pretty incredible. Did you wear a pea coat at any time? No, mm. I lost a beanie though. 
at a at a Moroccan restaurant. So if you guys see that, mm, any listeners must be see nice. a navy beanie at a Moroccan restaurant? Got it. Holler at me. Yeah, just give us just give me a tweet if you find one. Um, <clears throat> we're at we're at the end of the show. We're a little bit before the time when we do the best thing we ate all week, but my uh, my last thing will be also a part of that. Um, two days ago, I went to. There was a a pop up restaurant from Evan Kleiman from uh, the KCRW show. Good food, and you the sent re- me a pic. The restaurant that she used to own and operate for a long time, many years. Um, Osteria Angelini, I think so. Angelini, Angelini, which was in Hollywood on Melrose for a long time, and is kind of like an early kind of nineties institution of bringing uh, bringing that traditional italian food to los angeles and but was, also incorporating a lot of what's going on in california with california cuisine yes uh but but at the time I was, I was talking to her and she was saying like back back it was so different back then where people didn't know what balsamic vinegar was right like you would send a salad out to a table and they would send it back because it was all brown. And they're like, oh, my salad, I think my lettuce is all wilted because it's all brown. And they would say, like, oh, that, that's there's balsamic vinegar. It's aged for decades and it's very expensive and imported from Italy and it's a, it's a rare delicacy. And they're like, no, I don't think so. We need a new one. And then they would send the, the dressing on the side. And they still would, they just wouldn't understand what was going on. Or even things just like fennel on a salad. Right. Back then was just what in the world is going on kind of thing. My salad has lettuce in it. Yeah. But uh, we, we got, the, she did a, like a one night only pop up restaurant at Connolly, a restaurant in my neighborhood in Atwater Village, which is about to close, sadly, like so many other neighborhood restaurants and i feel like there's a whole other podcast about that where evan was talking about how they're doing she's doing some research on kind of the the death of or destination dining is killing the neighborhood restaurant and this is like a prime example of that where people are so inclined to try out the new next best thing at all times, and every time you go to a restaurant, it has to be a new, exciting one, so you could share it on Instagram and talk to people about it. It's true. Um, That's part so, of it. But- so, like the the standby neighborhood restaurants that are tried and true are are suffering because of that. Yeah, but she, I mean, or it's been reported explicitly, she, they're moving out of there because the rent's risen in Atwater because she went in eight years ago when it was mm-hmm. sleepy Atwater. True, but also this is, this is a restaurant, there's a lot of restaurants close all the time, but th- we're talking about a restaurant where if you go there to eat brunch on a Sunday, you have to wait in line for two hours. It's not, right. a, it's not a failing restaurant. It's a restaurant that does good business. Right. And it's still not able to... But that's yeah. But that's that's less the argument that the neighborhood restaurants. That's dying. true. That's true. That argument is that it's been voted the best brunch in LA four years running, 
and they're getting gouged by whatever mm-hmm. the landlord's thinking that he can get for another business. And I'm very surprised the conversation isn't like, well, we can do this, we can do that. There also might be the margins there. She also may be okay financially and doesn't want to make that little money for that much work. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of conversation there, but solely in the case of Connolly, it, I mean, it's because Atwater's exploded. Thank you. Mostly because of you. I'm not going to take all the credit, but yeah, sure. As a resident there of many years. Mm-hmm. Follow me on social media at them jeans. But this meal was it, was, it was it was just a real regular, straight down the road, rustic Italian meal. And uh, just like a real classic roast chicken, some a little carrot salad, some, some cold beans. A little cheese, a little bread, a little salad with this garlicky dressing. That was really good. But the, but the best thing that I had was their kind of infamous, and I guess they also do it at Connolly. I was telling you about this, their, their pizza bread. Yeah. Where you, you have like the amount of pizza dough where it just looks like a softball of dough. And instead of rolling that out into pizza shape, a flat, large, round cylinder, you just bake that in the oven as a piece of bread. So it's somewhere between a pizza crust and a piece of bread. The outside kind of has like a a blistery sourdough kind of look to it. And the inside is really airy and light and fluffy. And it was just very lightly seasoned. So it just... I, f- I feel a- like that's something we can try and replicate. I think so too. Trying to. It, it is, but I think the 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 main disconnect is the is the oven is the only thing that would really keep us from doing that. No, 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 hundred percent. I'm saying like this. We may never get it even close to as good, but at least conceptually and ingredient wise, it's something like oh yeah, financially not difficult to try over and over mm-hmm. and over, and you know. But that that's I mean you know that that's bread making in a nutshell for me of. It's a combination of very, very cheap ingredients. Humidity, proofing, time. So much other things go into making it go from good to great to sublime. And those are those things that are really hard to pull off. Because water is free, yeast costs a dollar, and flour costs less than a dollar. And you put them all together, and a dum-dum could make bread, but somebody truly gifted can turn it into just you know i mean it's just like sushi sure but that's a small secret when the idea of having a successful bakery it's like it's true yeast is free or water's free yeast is cheap dough's cheap but also so is bread <laughs> like you go in true. you spend 225 for a baguette you don't spend $23 for two small pieces it's of toro. But, uh, but so uh, your your price margin is high but also the actual amount you're making is low. So it's like it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a good margin but at a low price point. So you have to have incredibly good bread to sell a lot of it to mm-hmm. get people in the door unless you're doing other things. Right. So but it's it's, it's a combination of that. That's you, where you it, still that's where it's separated from sushi where ovens like, and yeah. Your price point's so low it's like you got to be yeah. But anyone who's listening to this podcast knows the difference between eating a piece of good bread and then eating a piece of bread that just like brings you to your knees, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's just water, flour and yeast. And somehow with this crazy alchemy has produced just like something transcendent, you know. 
And that's, that's kind of what this was. It was the most simple thing. It was just nothing to it. And you can just taste, you can just taste so much. You can just like taste the history of it. You can taste the, the air inside of it and the steam and the, each grain of flour. And there was, it was very lightly seasoned. So like the, the flavor of the flour could really sing through. And it was just, it was like this weird, like humbling, understated bread thing. And you just couldn't stop eating it. I think I, I, I was told that I, Chris Chang and I, my friend at Neg Nance, old fans of the stew would know of him we probably ate which we learned later on the equivalent of about two pizzas worth of just bread so the the best thing so crazy the best thing they ate this week was a fresh hot steaming piece of this pizza dough bread a, a chunk torn off of it steam billowing out of it and then that piece of bread run through the roast chicken serving platter and all the fat and juices and lemon and rosemary and thyme that had coagulated on the plate sopped up with that bread very tough to beat couldn't stop munching it i was i was wrestling a a grandma's hand away from this bread just slapping her right on the wrist listen you old bitch her and i <laughs> her and i were fighting this all is jason night. town at this table we were fighting all night over that bread yeah makes sense yeah uh, of course i had my i had my victory with her so she didn't invite you to easter is what you're trying to tell me <laughs> we we hugged it out at the end and it was fine but it was a little dicey for a while she was eyeballing my gnocchi <laughs> well she sounds like a fucking real jerk <laughs> she's a sweetheart well what was the best thing you had all week or i guess in the last two weeks eh? yeah i mean probably I know, there's a lot but I think, I mean, I, the the bow at the Yamcha Tea House was um, Which the one? pork one. Just the, regular pork. Yeah. Um, that was the best. It was very simple, but I think um, it was the best texture of a steam bun I've ever had in my entire life. And I've eaten a lot because I love them. And I grew up eating dim sum in San Francisco. And it I mean, they're coming out made to order, which I've had before too. A lot of places do, sometimes not always. But like it, truly, I mean, I must have eaten five of them, mm-hmm. five or six, and of you know, different kinds. And multi- we went and got multiple pork ones again. It was the only one we got more of. And we were also like ordering beer and just because you can drink anywhere, mm-hmm. so we're just like drinking in an alleyway, you know, as these bows come out, and it's so much fun. But the texture of the dough. And how it was steamed, it wasn't, it wasn't heavy, it was really light, it was incredibly delicate, it, it was perfect. It was, like, it was by far the best. If we're just not even talking about the filling, but we're just talking about the texture of the steam bun, it was the best I've ever had. Um, it seems like the best thing we ate this week are, are oddly similar. I was gonna just about to say, when you kept talking about the simplicity, but mixed with the execution, it was that. Because, you know, I'm sure there's, mm-hmm. it's just basically rice flour and... Small amounts. I mean, I'm not even sure if there's yeast in that dough. I mean, I don't, you know, I would imagine depending mm-hmm. on how it's done. It means- and those are those those are those pleasurable situations where you're happy to pay money for it. Right. You don't you don't get the bill and be like, mm-hmm. you're like, this was. It's a pleasure to pay this value for this food. So, yeah, that was really good. Bows in France. What do they think of next? Who knows. 
the stew podcast boom.com is the website where all the episodes live you can listen on itunes because you're probably doing that right now hello to our moms karen and jill what's up happy easter we'll see you soon we'll see you tomorrow yeah no well yeah me see you yep follow me on social media at them jeans under conoparo has none nope and bye we'll see you next week thanks for listening thanks for listening Do 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 do